Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland where the Indians are taking on the Kansas City Royals this weekend. Just a brief homestand for the Tribe. They're playing the Royals, continuing the homestand this afternoon and then Sunday afternoon. But that's it. Then they're back out on the road for a three-city road trip that starts on Monday in Detroit. Coming up later on in the show, we will have a tribe tale from Indians Vice President Bob DiBiasio. Also, the weekly farm report with Tribe Director of Player Development James Harris. But first, a look at the week gone by with our week in review. And we begin on a Tuesday after an off day Monday following a rough series last weekend in New York that saw the Yankees sweep the Indians and uh, their losing streak. Well, it expanded to four games with a 3-2 to two loss to the Brewers on Tuesday night at Miller Park in Milwaukee. But then on Wednesday, a bright spot for the Indians as they salvaged the finale of that five-game road swing with a 6-2 to two victory over the Brewers. The game was scoreless in the fourth inning. That's when Michael Brantley came to the plate with a man in scoring position. The set by Garrett. Here's his 2-1. Swung on, ground ball near the middle on through. Base hit center field. Rounding third, heading for home is Ramirez. He will score, and Michael Brantley delivers. The Tribe takes a 1-0 lead. Now there it is, snapping the 0 for 13 with an RBI single, and Brantley has now driven in 18 on the season. Still in the fourth, it was Tyler Naquin at the plate with two men aboard. Here comes his 3-2, swung on, and there's a high fly ball. Deep right field, way back there, home run, Naquin! A three-run bomb from Tyler Naquin, and the Indians have that big inning they're looking for. 4 nothing Tribe. Tyler Naquin with his second home run on the season. Now with nine runs driven in, and that was an outstanding at-bat for Naquin. Got the count full, and then got a pitch that he could handle, and he drove it into that second deck in right. Boy, and that just continued a tremendous start to the season for Naquin as he continued to swing a hot bat. Then in the seventh inning, Francisco Lindor added to the lead. Now the 2-1 pitch. Lindor with a drive into deep right. Way, way out of here into the second deck and two-thirds of the way up the second deck. Five-nothing Indians. Oh, my goodness. Nobody tried to catch that bomb. They all tried to get out of the way. Francisco Lindor hammering his second home run in this series. A no-doubt-about-it bomb to the second deck in right. Five-nothing Indians, and did he tee off 
for his 10th home run of the year on a fastball right down the middle of the plate. Meanwhile, Carlos Carrasco was tossing a beauty. Leading 5-1 to one through eight innings, Carrasco was looking to go the distance, but to do that, he would need to come to the plate in the top half of the ninth inning. Remember, Milwaukee is a National League club, so the pitchers hit on the road, and that was the case for Carrasco in the ninth. Carrasco won for 15 lifetimes swinging the bat in the major leagues. The pitch. Swung and ripped to left. He's got an RBI hit. His first major league RBI. Carrasco lashes a single to left. It's 6-1 to one Indians here in the ninth. I think the Indians want that ball. And the Indians with a triple from Roberto Perez and an RBI single from Carlos Carrasco have a 6-1 to one lead. How about that for Carlos Carrasco? And then it was Carrasco on the mound finishing the job in the bottom half of the ninth inning. Now the 2-2. Swing and a miss. Ball game. Carlos Carrasco with a breaking ball. Strikes out Shaw. It gives him 14 strikeouts. His second highest total ever in the big leagues. So the Indians avoid a winless road trip and get a dominant start from Carrasco and beat the Brewers today 6-2. to two. So the Tribe won it 6-2, to two, and on Friday we had a chance to catch up with Carlos Carrasco on Indians warm-up, and he talked about the start in Milwaukee, alluding to some struggles early on. He had to fight through some things early on, but was able to find a groove and turn in an impressive outing in the end. You know what? Uh, for the first three innings, I didn't find myself. Uh, I feel so tight. I don't know if it's a new game or something like that. But I figured out I came back after the, uh, after the third inning and talked to Roberto, hey, let's, let's do this. Then uh, I don't know what I did, and I went over there, and I ended up throwing a complete game. But I think the more important, uh, we won the game, and that's what he won. And I think uh, it was really good that day, uh, pitching, hitting, and everything. And is that just part of, of growing as a major league pitcher? I mean, you're a veteran now, but do you still learn from each start when, when things maybe don't go as planned originally? Yeah, yeah, you, you're right. I learn from every start, every bullpen, because uh, every day you're not going to be the same guys. And sometimes your staff is not going to be there. So after a bad game, a good game, so you learn the good team, the bad team you did that day, and uh, you, you bring the good team to, to the next game, the back team, just kind of practice more to, know, uh, to, do, to not do that in uh, uh, the game. Carlos Carrasco joining us, Indians pitcher. And it's important to talk pitching, but enough of that. Let's talk hitting. Uh, RBI single for you in your last at-bat. You look like a hitter up there. Tell us about the at-bat and how satisfying that was. All right. Uh, the, f- uh, the first two, I just want to hit the ball so hard. But I got and I uh, strike him out. And uh, another one on the third one, I uh, ground ball to shortstop. They jam my hand. I still sore uh, today. Then um, on the next one, uh, Tito told me, don't hit. Just wait in there. If you got to uh, walk, it's good. If you got to strike up, you just be there. First pitch on the, on the bottom of the night. Roberto hit a triple. Okay, what am I going to do here? I'm not supposed to bond here. I'm man on third. All right. Uh, first strike. I saw that ball kind of up a little bit. Okay, this is. I think this is gonna be the best, and uh, I just hit it. 
and I got a base seat in RBI too. So at the same at the same time, so throwing uh, you know a complete game and uh, help uh, the team uh, do some run too. That's 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 unbelievable. You don't get to do it often. Do you enjoy hitting? I didn't job. Yes, I didn't every day. Before that game, I think I hit in the cage like five times. Uh, I can't wait for that for that game. But you know what? It's something different for us because we play in the American League. So it's kind of when I saw that base hit, it's kind of enjoy myself. A good day all around, Carlos. Thanks for coming by. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. That's Indians pitcher Carlos Carrasco. What a day for him on Wednesday. A complete game victory with 14 strikeouts and his first RBI base hit as a hitter in the major leagues. Well, Thursday was an off day for the Tribe, and they opened up a homestand on Friday night against the Royals, a game that looked like the Indians had well in hand, but they could not hang on. They got the scoring started early in this one. First inning, Jose Ramirez at the plate with a runner on. Jose Ramirez batting left-handed. He hits a drive into deep right center field, and it is gone. Jose Ramirez now with a team-best 11 bombs, a team-best 24 RBIs, and Jose Ramirez hits a laser, a two-run home run to right center, and the Indians have an early 2-0 lead on Kansas City. Later on in that first inning, it was Yonder Alonso going deep. Now the 2-2. Swung on, hit pretty well, deep left center. Long run for Almonte and Jay. They're looking up, and this ball is gone! It clears the 19-foot wall in left center. Yonder Alonso with an opposite field homer to left center on a night where the wind is blowing in, and it's a chilly... 55 degrees, but when you're a strong man, doesn't matter. And the Indians have a 3-0 lead. Alonso's ninth homer, 22 RBIs. But the Royals answered. They tied it with three runs in the second and then took a 4-3 lead with another run in the third. But in the bottom half of the fourth inning, the Indians would respond as well. Yet another big inning here at Progressive Field. First, it was Tyler Naquin with two men on. Here's the 2-2. Curveball swung on and driven to left center. This is hit well. Back is Almonte, and he'll have to play this one off the wall. Rounding third, heading for home is Alonzo. He scores right behind him is Kipnis, sliding in head first with no throw, and it turns into a two-run double for Tyler Naquin, and the Indians retake the lead. Boy, again, tremendous power for Tyler Naquin to the opposite field. That ball banging about midway up the 19-foot high wall. And the Indians take a 5-4 lead, and now Naquin appears to be hobbled right around that second base bag. And Jeff Desjardins, the trainer, comes out to have a look and see what's going on. So the Indians were in front, but they would lose Naquin as on that double as he was running between first and second, he tweaked his hamstring, had to leave the game, and it remains to be seen if he will miss much time. It would be a shame because he's been on quite a roll at the plate. Continuing on in that inning, Indians leading 5-4, to four, bases loaded. Kansas City stuck with starter Jason Hamill, and Michael Brantley made him pay. The 2-2. Swung on, and there's a high fly ball, deep right field. Does it have enough? Way back, grand slam, Brantley. 
The second time in two homestands that Michael Brantley has hit a grand slam. And the Indians have broken this game wide open. Nine to four tribe. So the Indians had the large lead, but again, Kansas City would not quit. They scored a run in the fifth, three more in the sixth to make it a one-run game. And then with Andrew Miller off the disabled list and into the game in the seventh inning, Salvador Perez clubbed a two-run home run to put Kansas City in front 10-9, and the Royals bullpen finished things off. And that was your final score on Friday night, 10-9, with game two of the series Saturday afternoon at 4-10, and the series and homestand finale Sunday afternoon at 1-10. Stay tuned. More to come as we continue with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Progressive presents Get Pumped, inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Hey, are you just going to stand there and let people not give you credit for being a good driver? You deserve discounts on car insurance, and that's what Snapshot from Progressive is for. So why aren't you signing up? You need music to get pumped? Hit it! Drum solo! Ow, that hurts my fingers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, Jim Rosenhouse, along with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland, where the Indians are taking on the Royals this weekend. Earlier this week, with some of the struggles of the bullpen, the Indians have been making several roster moves, and they added newly acquired right-hander Oliver Drake to the roster in time for the series in Milwaukee. And uh, for Drake, it was a trade from the Brewers to the Indians that landed him with the Tribe, and uh, we asked him about it, not only this time, but for the second time in his career, and if it was a little bit different with uh, going to the Indians while the Brewers were at home and he was with Milwaukee. Yeah, this is a little different. Um, you know, having the team come to the city where I was already at and uh, just meeting them here, um, So, but I'm excited. When you look at how you've been pitching this year and what you may be able to bring to the Indians, uh, how do you feel your season was going, and, and what do you think you can bring here and maybe even improve upon it? Oh uh, yeah, you know I'm I'm excited to help out this uh, you know bullpen any way they need me. Um, you know I'll be ready when they I get the call, uh, and you know I'm gonna just go out there and plan on attacking hitters and hopefully get some quick outs. Do you have much background or familiarity with the team, or is it something that, that you'll be catching up on here in the coming days? Uh, no, it's something I'll be catching up on uh, pretty quickly, I'm sure. Um, but so far, everyone's been awesome in there from you know top to the bottom, from the staff to the players. Uh, everyone's been real accommodating, so it uh, seems like a great group of guys. Oliver Drake joining us. An interesting background. Uh, you attended the Naval Academy, which I think there's only three players in Major League Baseball history who have done that and then gone on to a Major League career. Uh, explain how that developed when you were in high school and what you got out of it and how you actually were able to play Major League Baseball without having to serve. Um, yeah, so I got uh, recruited by their baseball team, and uh, fortunately I knew a lot of people who had attended there. Um, so I had some references and got an idea of what I, what I was getting into. Um, but, you know, when selecting a school, I wanted to go somewhere where I could play Division One baseball and then get a great education. And uh, I don't think there's a better place to do that than the Naval Academy. And uh, so I showed up there and just kind of, once I got there, I kind of became a pro prospect and got drafted as a sophomore and had the option to leave. And um, you sign your commitment uh, to serve after graduating the beginning of your junior year. 
So I left roughly a month before that and uh, went on to pursue baseball. How difficult a decision was that and why? Um, it was an extremely difficult one. Uh, I seemed to flip-flop every day between whether I was staying, whether I was leaving. Um, but ultimately, I decided I was going to go chase my childhood dream of playing professional baseball. And I uh, figured if it didn't work out in the first couple of years, I'd go back and uh, finish my degree and serve. Um, but here I am still playing. So, had, had it been different and had you decided to serve, uh, what would you have done? Do you, do you have an, a direction that you were headed toward? Um, well, out of the academy, I would have had to serve. So I was looking at going Marine Corps ground. And uh, so that would have been my path for at least the next five years. How about friends from the time you played there and attended there? Uh, do you stay in touch with, with a lot of those guys, or has time gone by and, and it's different now? Uh, no, a lot of those guys to stay in touch with. Um, you know, you go through a lot there, so the friendships you form are really strong. And uh, it's been cool this uh, this year. I've already seen a handful of them. They've come out to games. Um, it's been a real cool thing throughout my whole career in the minor leagues up to the majors. Um, guys reaching out, saying they follow me. You know, hearing from buddies when they're deployed and hearing and like getting a text or an email from them and uh, realizing they were checking the box scores from when I was pitching, it's, uh, it was very cool and special. All right, Oliver. Well, thanks so much for the time. Nice to meet you. No problem. That's newly acquired Oliver Drake. We still haven't seen him pitch in the game, but uh, certainly an interesting background to be sure. One of just three Major League players in Major League history that spent some time at the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. Stay tuned. When we come back, it's the Weekly Farm Report with Indians Director of Player Development, James Harris. That's as Tribe Talk continues on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Don't go away, folks. The Indians still have three outs to make some magic happen. Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland, where the Indians play the Royals this weekend. Each week we bring you up to date on what's going on in the Tribe Farm System. We're joined by Indians Director of Player Development, James Harris, and our focus this week is on the Indians AA ball club, the Akron Rubber Ducks. And we begin with first baseman Bobby Bradley, who made a great impression in Major League Spring Training, swung the bat well, came into camp in great shape, but then got off to a slow start at the double-A level where he began his season with Akron. And we asked James what are some of the things that Bradley has done to overcome that tough start at the plate. Yeah, um, Bobby in the offseason made a miraculous change in his body. Um, he's reduced his, his overall body composition. He's gotten stronger, and he maintained the power that we saw a lot last year in spring training, um, which has allowed him to, to play a more athletic first base. I think the ups and downs of, of this year is kind of kind of dealing with the being really close. So you, you go to Major League Camp, you come down to Akron, you're preparing, preparing yourself uh, for good seasons, and, and that all with, with having to compete um, causes an up and down season in, in his case. So but he, he, there's been some good and there's been some struggle, but he's working his way through both. And I know a, a lot of development people think that struggle is good for, for a young player before they get to the major leagues because then they have to figure some things out. And, and is that happening with Bobby Bradley, that ability now to, to figure some things out and, and then take another step forward? 
Yeah, that's how you learn. I mean, we, we talk around here about grit and, and growth mindset and being able to know that through the, sh- the struggle, that's how you learn and that's how you get better. Um, he's faced a similar situation last year and he, he ended up really, really strong. And there's no reason that that won't happen this year. He's a, he's a, he's a guy who has that grit and has a growth mindset. So we're, we've seen some flashes and we're hoping to see that more consistently. Another player that is on the radar, we saw him a little bit in spring training from time to time, is Tyler Krieger, in the past exclusively an infielder, but uh, he's made a position move to work in some outfield play. What are you trying to do there with, with Krieger in terms of defense and versatility? Yeah, definitely trying to add versatility to his game. I mean, our goal is to help our, our major league team win. And when Tito looks to the bench and needs a guy to go out there, um, the more options he has with that guy, um, the better off we are as a team in Cleveland. So we like to get a lot of our players just some versatility defensively so they can help our major league club at some point. Um, and Tyler's no exception to that. He's played a little bit of center field. Uh, he's played a lot of bit of center field. And he's looked really good out there. I mean, if you look at the, the rubber duck highlights, you'll see him making diving catches in center field as well as turning double plays at second. So he's, he's really impressed in the first half of the season. Another player whose offensive numbers are really standing out is Connor Maribel. And I know, again, another player that we saw a little bit of in spring training. Uh, what's been the big key for him in the early season to get off to a real nice start? Yeah, what's, what's interesting about Connor is he started the season with a little bit of adversity his last game in uh, Major League camp. Uh, he twisted his knee a little bit, so he started on the DL, um, rehabbed, got healthy, and then made the trip to Akron. And he, it was like he didn't miss a beat. He's uh, He's came out there and played some good D for us and has been decent with the bat. So we're excited about where he's at. James Harris joining us, Indians Director of Player Development. On to the mound we go as we talk Akron, the Indians Double A ball club. And Aaron Savali is certainly someone who stands out. Uh, six starts in, you look at his, his strikeout to walk ratio, 32 strikeouts, only four walks. You have to be pleased with that as he tries to move up the ladder. Yeah, I mean, good thing he's been hanging out with Beaver because, I mean, those are those, those are Beaver-type strikeout-the-walk numbers. But he's worked himself, worked really hard uh, on that aspect of his of his game. I mean, coming up to, to the double-A level, like, you knew he had stuff, but now he's learning uh, to actually pitch and work with work with catchers and, and attack hitters. Like, that's that's what starts to happen in double-A a little bit, and, and he's taken to that full go. And you mentioned... Uh, kind of taking after Shane Bieber, who has since moved up to the AAA level at Columbus. I know we see it up here. Uh, the starting pitchers stay together, work as a group during their bullpen sessions, and uh, really observe what, what the other pitchers are doing. Does that happen at, at the AA level as well? Yeah, we think it happens all in life. We say, I mean, there's, there's things that say that the five people that you spend the most time with are the people that you re- reflect, and uh, we, we would love our pitchers to be around Bieber and Savali. And if they could be around guys like uh, like like Tomlin and, and Kluber, like we'd be pretty good throughout the system. So we, we like our guys to, to be together and learn routines from each other. Now the routines are going to be individual to themselves, but it doesn't doesn't hurt to have a guy working really hard standing next to you. Another pitcher who continues to put up tremendous numbers is ERA about a run and a half after six starts. We don't hear a whole lot about him, but he just keeps putting up numbers is Xiao Ching Chang uh, had a great uh, season a year ago with some tremendous performances. And when you look at what he's doing so far, what's enabled him to stand out at the double-A level? 
Yeah, I mean, Ching's very consistent. I mean, he puts the ball on the ground, and he lets the defense take care of the rest. So, I mean, as you start to move up, uh, infields get better. So it's, it's harder to sneak those ground balls through the infield. Our guys have played played good defense behind him, and he he gives them opportunities to do that, which has given him success for himself. So, I mean, he's a he has a, a team-first approach, and he works really hard to, to help those guys in Akron win games. And we'll sneak a left-hander in there, Sean Brady. Uh, six starts in, another part of that rotation. And, and what has he shown you so far this season? Well, Sean is a guy who, who pitched in the fall league last year, which gave him some, some confidence to get high-level hitters out. And he's brought that confidence to Akron. And he kind of rounded out that, that starting rotation there uh, from the left side. Like, he's, he's really – I mean, confidence is, is what stands out for him. But he, he's also a guy who likes to go in there and attack hitters and – He's kind of working on some things now to give him give himself more weapons, and we, we're starting to see the fruits of that labor. Well, Akron putting it together one loss record-wise and, and some good individual performances as well as prospects try to continue their rise through the farm system. James, thanks so much for coming by. Always great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. That's James Harris, the Indians' director of player development. Stay tuned. We'll have our final segment of Tribe Talk after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. Soon you'll have a separate fridge in the basement where extra groceries are exiled forever. Remember that frozen lasagna? Of course you don't. It's been down there since 2008. Good news is it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Piece of cake behind the lasagna. It's very old. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, our final segment from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And from time to time, we check in with Indians Vice President Bob DiBiasio for another in his great series of Tribe Tales featuring former Indians greats, and let's see what Bobby D has in store this time around. Here's a pitch, it's a slow curve, clean, it's a whistling line drive to left hand. It's time for another Tribe Tale with Bob DiBiasio. Joining me now in this edition of Tribe Tales is former number one draft pick and pitching sensation during the magical 1997 postseason, Jared Wright. Jarrett, thanks for taking the time to connect with us. And before we dive into the baseball career and that wonderful ride during the 97 postseason, please catch us up on the family and what you're doing these days. Bobby, good to talk to you, man. It's, uh, it goes by quick. It does, it does. <laughs> yeah, I think about 97, it's, it goes by too fast. But I got um, uh, my wife and I had our fourth baby. Very nice. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I'm pretty busy. Four kids is it's a lot of work, but I love it, man. Any uh pitchers in the group? So I got I got two boys that are 8 and 6 and uh and then we just had two girls. So the 8 and 6, the 8-year-old just had his kid pitch season. So I'm trying to help him and uh you know, we'll have to see. I just want to make it fun for him, you know? Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Four little ones. Uh, yeah, you'll be hopping here for a long time. Good luck with that. 
I'm, I'm right in the middle of it, Bobby. <laughs> That's perfect. At the age of 18, you're the tribe's number one draft pick in 1994 out of high school in California, and you were also a quarterback and a linebacker. Can you take us back to the day you were drafted? Yeah, it was, uh, it was amazing for me. Wasn't it all supposed to be roses back then? No injuries, <laughs> no nothing. Huh, exactly. It was supposed to be free and easy, baby. <laughs> yeah, people. People ask me, you know, about being nervous and all that stuff. I said, well, being young, you know, you don't, you don't really know any of that stuff. It's kind of you're invincible. And then as you get older, the game gets harder. But, uh, you know, when I was young, 18 and then 20, 21, that was an amazing time. And uh, I enjoyed it. The World Series, you know, going there my first year, I thought we'd, you'd go every year. I'm like, this is easy. This is going to be great. And then uh, you realize how hard it is. And, um, you know, I dealt with some injuries and stuff in my career. But, you know, all in all, I, I really enjoyed it and had a good time. You make a steady rise through the Indians' farm system. In 1995, you're in low class A. 96, you're in high A. You start 97 in double A. But you're not there long. You'd make a quick jump to triple A. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in the big leagues on June 24th. You're starting in front of a sold-out home crowd of 42,902 fans. Um, you toss five and two-thirds innings against the Twins. You get a win. Were you ready for that? I, I think so. I think at the time, you know, I, I didn't, um, you know, when I got the call to uh, come up to the big leagues, it was something I've waited for my whole life. It was, I was still only, you know, 21, but it was, the phone call was amazing. The game, you know, I remember the game, you know, vividly. Having having my uh, first game in the big leagues, it was kind of cool because my father, his first game in the big leagues, he pitched against the Twins, and uh, you know, I had the Twins, so it, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. '97 was, you know, a whirlwind of uh, stuff going on, and you know, I loved it. You make 16 starts. You go eight and three. Any uh, general recollections of the regular season before we dive into what an incredible uh, uh, run in the postseason we had? No, it was. Um, I just remember <laughs> just trying to throw it as hard as I could, Bobby. <laughs> that, was that was basically the plan. Yeah, you know, rare back and let it go. <laughs> that was it. Throw it for. As long as you could, and that was, uh, you know, probably something I did, and probably led to, you know, my shoulder problems. But uh, it's the way I pitched. Well, you're the youngest pitcher to start a division series game at 21 years old, nine months and four days. Uh, you start game two. You're facing Andy Pettit and the New York Yankees. You're at the stadium. Uh, the first inning didn't go real well for you there, though. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's it. That's an awesome place to play. The, uh, you know, coming in there on the road, it's uh, it's pretty intimidating. And uh, I'm sure I had some nerves, I remember, and just getting that out of my system. You know, you have too much, you can have too much excitement, too much adrenaline to try and find the strike zone or, you know, figure out what's going on. I think over my career, the first inning was probably my worst inning, I think, a lot of the times just trying to settle in, you know. Well, you did settle in in that game. You rebounded very well, and you hang on as the offense rallies. And 
you get your first of two wins against the Yankees in that series. The second win coming in the deciding game, game five. Uh, can you take us back to that game? You pitched five and a third, gave up eight hits, three runs, but we end up beating the Yankees and move on to the ALCS. What do you remember about that uh, second win in the AL uh, division series uh, against the Yankees? You, you know, probably for me, the things that stick out is just the uh, that running on the field at the end of the game. You know, the the champagne and, and the celebration of of winning is probably is probably what I remember. I don't remember so many pitches or outs or what was that's that's kind of blurry for me. But the celebration and moving on is is probably what I remember now. Well, we go on to the ALCS. Uh, you don't get much action in that series, uh, but every win is by one run, and uh, we beat the Orioles uh, four games to two. And now we're into the World Series and um, the second World Series in, in three seasons for this team. Uh, you get an opportunity to start game four. You end up winning it, tying the series at 2-2. Again, pitching in front of a sold-out crowd here at home and uh, six innings, five hits, three runs. We went 10 to three. Uh, you're now three and zero in the postseason. What are you thinking about at 21 and you're three and zero in the postseason? <laughs> I I couldn't even tell you what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, honestly, honestly, I don't know. It was like um, I think you prepare yourself mentally for just kind of any situation you're in. And being young, I didn't really think too much about it now if i had to do that at 29 or 30 years old after you've had your butt kicked a couple times you might think about it a little bit more because uh you know you've been out there and failed a few times when you're young and and you have success it's it's a really good feeling to go out there your confidence is high so it, it wasn't something that i was worried about or i thought about a whole lot i just thought it was kind of what was supposed to happen if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. But then after just three days rest of pitching that uh, uh, outstanding game, uh, you're handed the ball for game seven of the World Series. Again, age of 21, so our fans remember that. Uh, and you toss a gem. You leave the game leading two to one uh, after tossing six and a third innings. You've allowed just one run on only two hits, striking out seven. Um Take us back to Game Seven of the World Series. The uh, the the thing I take from that was, um, you know, I guess people were asking me about three days rest and how you felt. And again, at 21, your arm always feels great. I remember going down to the bullpen and, uh, you know, Louie and Danny down there, and I take my normal time to warm up, and I threw 22 pitches to warm up before that game, and I, I just kind of felt ready. I threw 22 pitches, I think maybe just just a couple out of the stretch, and I looked at Louie and I just said, let's go. I'm ready. And that was, uh, you know, that's that's what I remember. And I remember, I think I walked out lighter twice. <laughs> that, that, that wasn't very good, but I, I think I remember wanting to hit a homer. <laughs> yeah, of course. I think I, I think I thought that my whole career, though. But, yeah, it, it was just, uh, it was amazing. I remember thinking how loud it gets. It's just kind of a, a humming in your ears that you can't, you know, coming from the minor leagues and stuff, you can make out, you know, what a lot of people are saying because there's only, you know, a couple thousand people there if you're lucky. But when you, I think, 
you know, there was upwards of 60 or somewhere around there in the, uh, in the Marlins stadium. And, uh, it was just, you can feel the vibration, you know, on your body, in your ears. And it was, it was an experience. Well, it, it was a season that will live forever in the hearts and minds of tribe fans. We wish we could continue our chat, Jared, but unfortunately we've run out of time. And on behalf of tribe fans everywhere, we wish you and yours the very best. And once again, congratulations on becoming a new daddy and for the fourth time. Bobby, thank you very much. Good to talk to you. Jared Wright, our latest tribe tale. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll join you next weekend from Houston, where the Indians are taking on the World Series champion Houston Astros in what should be a rousing three-game series at Minute Maid Park in Houston. Until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. These folks can't get enough. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance.